As we pass the baskets, I want to talk about how I met the man who's going to be ministering tonight. His name is Sean Curtis. And Sean and Carrie moved here from San Francisco. Has it been two months? Two months. I met Sean at a conference that I was going to to just attend. And I got there and the man who was leading the conference, something came up in his life and he said, Chad, I need you to lead this conference. And I said to this man, people have flown here from all over the world to listen to you. And uh, this is kind of awkward. Well, I got up kind of stumbled through a sermon and we saw a lot of healings break out remember the one lady that got delivered on the back wall she started shaking and fell she ended up getting into a discipleship group online that i was leading and there was this one guy that i noticed at the conference and he had just happened to have stumbled upon a book a couple of months earlier called signs wonders and a baptist preacher and the funniest part of the whole thing is he actually he was mad that the he flew from san francisco to hear a world-renowned leader and the guy doesn't get up to lead and I do and he was mad and I don't blame you at all I do judge you but I don't blame you (laughs) and then was it in the middle of the sermon when you said Carrie or was it after it in the middle of the sermon you're like Carrie I think that's the author of the book we just read maybe God is real Here's what I love about God. You think you're really going after him. He's wooing you way more than you're going after him. Suppressus Atole believes that everything in life is a setup. So the man that judged me and had a critical spirit towards me and my family and is now one of my best friends. Come on up here, Sean Curtis. Sean was a lead pastor. Actually, a church planner, lead pastor. How many churches you planted? Two churches, diehard San Francisco Giants fan, not as much 49ers, uh, Golden State Warriors fan, a phenomenal dad, a great human being, and one of my good friends. Extend your hand towards Sean. Let's bless him tonight. Sean, I pray tonight you'd get just blessed by God as you share fresh manna with us. Father, I ask that you'd you'd stun him. You minister to him as he ministers to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is really good to be with y'all tonight. I'm practicing the y'all. Did you catch that? So we, uh, I've been in a, a mentoring cohort huddle with Chad for the last few years. And I'm like, man, it's just interesting that, that there's so much grace on this. But I know we're not ever supposed to ever, ever supposed to move to South Carolina and, and about a year ago, the Lord started giving me some dreams, confirmed it with my youngest daughter, Livia, um, and then my older daughter, Maren, started having dreams confirming it. And last, late last winter, we're like, all right, Lord, we'll, we'll go. Um, and he said, I'll show you what, what I want for you when you get there. So we packed up our house at the end of May and hit the road in June, arrived in early July, and the um, Lord's just slowly revealing stuff. So... My wife is Carrie. We've been married almost 12 years. We've got two kids, two girls. Marin is 11 and Olivia is nine. Um, I had the incredible privilege to pastor a church in, in San Francisco for the last 10 years. And um, it's an amazing community that, that's family. And, um, and they saw what God was doing and released us to, to come here and, and we missed them a ton and, and I just honor them tonight. I just felt like I really needed to honor them. Um, amazing community there. Um, and all our families on the West Coast, but God said go. 
And so we said, okay, Father, we'll, we'll come. Um, well, as I was praying about tonight, I really felt like Jesus just wanted to set some people free. And, you know, when he was beginning his ministry in Luke, um, as Luke records it, he unrolls the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And one of the things that he described his ministry to be about was that he was going to set um, or proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And I, as I was praying, I just felt like God wanted to minister to some of you tonight and just release you. And so I've just been praying, Father, whatever you want to do, just do it. Jesus is passionate about a pure bride. He is passionate, so passionate that he would sacrifice everything to, to create a bride. And it was the joy set before Jesus that he would endure the cross. And part of that joy that was in front of Jesus when he endured the cross was to see his creation redeemed and a bride created. And so tonight I just, I just say, Jesus, come. So let me pray for us and we'll jump into the text. So Jesus, thank you. Father, thank you. Jesus, I just sense your presence tonight. You just want to set some of us free tonight. And so we just say yes. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring wisdom and revelation for each of us. That you'd open the eyes of our hearts to what you're saying and to what you're doing. And I just sense you're going to do it kindly tonight. Just such a gentle touch from you. And we say yes, because even your gentle touch is so powerful. And so we just say yes. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's interesting, um, as Lindsay was prepping with the, the worship team about tonight, they were kept going to, to John chapter 15, and, and I was rooted in John chapter 15, so we said, God must be in this tonight. Um, Chad was actually on the schedule to, to speak, and then last Sunday night, both Chad and Lindsay looked at each other and said, I was supposed to, and, um, and he texted me in the middle of the service last week and said, you're on. And So what I just bring tonight is just an invitation, because God's doing something with this, and so Jesus, do it. So Jesus in John uh, chapter, chapter 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So tonight, we're going to be talking about location. Like where you abide, where you put down your roots, so to speak. Um, if, as we moved here, we started looking around the area because we really didn't know much about Greenville and the Simpsonville area. And so my wife and my kids and I were driving all around and looking at neighborhoods and started talking to some realtors and we're renting the, the Keys house right now, uh, which is, we found out is a pretty, pretty nice location. It's pretty central to a lot of things. Um, but as we drove around and talked to realtors, they started talking about which locations are best. And if you are in real estate or in business, one of the things that they talk about all the time is that location matters. Location, location, location. 
And that's really what Jesus is talking about in this passage, that where we are located matters. And that the Father wants to bear so much good fruit in each one of us. The Father is passionate about about bearing fruit in each one of us. And location matters for that good fruit. What is that fruit? Essentially, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Inside of us, God wants to cultivate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And he also wants to bear fruit through us. He wants to see the kingdom poured out through us. He wants to see shalom, God's peace extended. He wants to see relationships renewed. He wants to see peace and justice come on the earth through us. He wants to elevate you in purpose and your identity. He wants to see your authority increase and to be fruitful. He wants to see your families thrive. And so when Jesus is talking about fruitfulness, he wants to see inside of you totally marked by all those beautiful characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And then he wants to see it extended through you. Kingdom in you, kingdom out of you. Fruits. And so he says, that's the Father's heart. But you've got to abide. And that Greek word for abide or dwell literally means dwelling place. So where do you pitch your tent? Where do you put down your home? Now, Chad often says that I'm from San Francisco, but I'm going to start rebuking him because I'm not from there. Because he rebuked me a few years ago because I started to get my identity in San Francisco. And he said, Sean, you're not from San Francisco. That's not where you're from. When we come into the family of God, when we accept Christ, when we are grafted into his family, we are grafted into Jesus. He is the vine. Nowhere else. Let me share a little bit about my own journey. Um, I was born in southwestern Colorado in a little town called Montrose. When I was three, we moved to Denver, and then we moved to another house in Denver. Then I moved to Billings, Montana, and then Red Lodge, Montana, and then to Stockton, California, where my mom was raised. I went to 10 different schools before I graduated high school. So I was very mobile as a kid. And one of the things that I started to notice was that I was always trying to find a way to locate myself. I remember in second grade specifically going into my classroom and the teacher had it set up in a horseshoe fashion and I sat in that horseshoe and I looked around the room and I'm like, who's going to be my friend? I was trying to locate myself in that community. Everywhere I went, I had to figure out how I was going to put down a little root there. Location, location, location. I lived in Northern California from 1980 until a few months ago, except for one little year in Oregon. And so Northern California kind of started to become my home. When we moved to San Francisco 10 years ago, I was excited and it became my home. But one of the things that the Lord has been convicting me of lately is, Sean, if you place your home in any other place other than me, things are going to go awry. 
if you locate your heart, if you create your dwelling in any other place other than me, bad fruit's going to start to develop. In Jesus, good fruit can develop. In any other place, bad fruit will begin to develop. For some of us, we're tempted to locate in a geographical location, into a physical place. For some of us, we're tempted to locate ourselves into a people or to a tribe. And if you do that, negative things will happen. Jesus had to rebuke Nicodemus for that. In John chapter 3, Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was from an incredibly influential family. His family was like royalty. It was like Jesus was talking to, to somebody from the Bush or Kennedy family. His family was so influential politically. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, if you locate in your family, you cannot enter heaven. You've got to be actually born again into a new family. You've got to be cleansed from your family lineage in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't locate yourself into a people. Some of us are tempted to locate into our stuff. The rich young ruler. Jesus gave him a word of knowledge and said, if you locate in your stuff, you can't enter the kingdom. You got to sell that. You got to get rid of it. Some of us are tempted to locate into a task, job descriptions, family roles. Our community in San Francisco is an incredibly beautiful community. But one of the struggles that they had was that everybody in their family had to have a role. And if they didn't have a role within their family, they didn't know what their identity was. And so some of us, it's not just jobs. Sometimes it's just family roles. If you ever got somebody in your family that's like always doing the dishes, always the cleaner, or somebody else that's always taking care of stuff, and then you've got your codependent aunt that like that's her thing, and like everybody's got their little role. Some of us will locate in our history, our successes, accomplishments, victories, or even our pain or failures or betrayals. Have conversations with folks that they can't stop talking about their past. They locate themselves in their history. The Apostle Paul is trying to nail at this in, in passages like Philippians 3, when he talked about his family and his experiences. Like he came from such a beautifully pedigreed background. But he said, if I take my pride or my, if I put my weight in that, it's just, it's poop, it's junk. And in verse 20, he reemphasizes and says, but your citizenship is in heaven, not anywhere here. Or he used the term Ambassador. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says that he was an ambassador in chains because he was in jail. Or 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says that we are all ambassadors for Christ. We've got a, a dear friend of ours that works for, um, for the foreign service. He's in China right now. 
And wherever he goes, he's representing the United States. He lives in China, but he is not Chinese. He's an American. And when he's on the soil of the embassy or the consulate, that is U.S. soil. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is that you're not an American. You have a different citizenship. And wherever you go, you represent Jesus and his kingdom. You're an ambassador of a different land. And because you host the kingdom, wherever you go, you're a mini embassy. Wherever you go, you carry the decrees of the king. In that passage in 2 Corinthians, it says that Paul is describing that God is making a plea through us. He's pleading through us as his ambassadors. And so Paul has worked this out that he's got to dislocate from his family, from his place, from his history, from his tasks, dislocate from those things and locate himself deeply in Jesus because Jesus is the vine. So here's the deal. If you locate in any other place other than Jesus, it will twist you and it'll twist the fruits. People who locate in their history, for example, if you notice, they're either really, really proud or they're really, really bitter. That's bad fruit. People who locate in their stuff, watch how much anxiety they have. They just got to protect it. So much insurance to protect it. So much anxiety. If you locate in a place Look at how it affects the way you see people from other places. I'm a Giants fan. I've got a rival down Interstate 5 in LA. For a long time, I did not like Dodgers fans. As I was locating in Northern California as a Giants fan, I struggled to love anybody with a blue cap. And then I don't know if you saw in the news a few years ago, there was a fight in the parking lot after one of the games and one of the fans was hospitalized. It was brutal. It was horrible. And just fueled the flames. So if good fruit is love, but you don't like anybody with a blue ball cap on, that's bad fruit. It twists. You go all over the world, you see factions, you see animosity because people are locating themselves in a geographical place and so it twists their heart and they can't love people from those rival places. East, west, north, south. You see locational divides and a lack of love. 
It twists the way we view people and the way we love them. Notice how if you locate in the wrong place, how it impacts your peace. If you locate yourself in tasks, if you don't have a task, you feel anxious. Anybody feel that way? So the Lord has kind of put me on time out. He said, I'll show you what you're supposed to do when you get here. And then he stayed quiet. I'm like, I just started getting really, really anxious. And finally the Lord just says, knock it off, Sean. You're locating in a task, in a, in a job. Notice how it impacts your patience. When, for example, for me, when I'm tempted to locate in a task or a job, when I don't have one, I get really impatient. Notice how it impacts your self-control. If self-control is, is one of the fruit, notice how it impacts your self-control. So one of my challenges that the Lord constantly was working on me in San Francisco is, was, was driving. I did not have a lot of self-control driving. You guys are all really nice drivers out here. Way nicer than San Francisco. Now maybe you're passive-aggressive about it, but, but at least on the surface, it seems really nice. We were on the horn a lot in San Francisco. If the light turned green and, and the person in front of you didn't move within like a quarter of a second, we were on our horn. Like, come on. That's not self-control for me. There's one time when I was parallel parking, parallel a lot in San Francisco, parallel park a lot in San Francisco, and I was parallel parking. This guy came up behind me and he was irritated that I was blocking the lane for a second. And so he laid on his horn and everything in me wanted to get out of my car and have a conversation with him. Because I also struggle putting my location in my reputation. And so if he was disrespecting me, that was an assault on my reputation. And I had to fix that. Twisted fruit. Twisted fruit. And that's just the fruit in us. Think about what happens when that comes out of us. Think about when anxiety begins to become the fruit of your spirit, what happens around you. If you're hosting anxiety instead of peace, think about how that damages your relationships. If you're building a life of anxiety and fear, instead of the good fruit, it has massive impacts, generational impacts. Generational. If you are hosting a twisted form of love that uses people because you're trying to get after stuff, 
think about the way that impacts every relationship in your life. If you're building your life around stuff and locating yourself in stuff, you see people as a means to an end. If you're locating your life in your job, then you see people as either a means to that or an obstacle or a competition. There's no love in that. So you, you start building a life of diminishing others, competing against others, using others. That's the fruit out. And so if we locate ourselves in any other place than Jesus, it'll twist the fruit in us and it'll destroy everything around us. Now, one of the things about location that I kind of want to pivot a little bit around is you're thinking about where you're locating yourself. I know that some people in here have been forced into locations by somebody else's actions. Many of you have experienced a dislocation at the hands of someone else, someone else's choice. And in that moment of betrayal, you don't feel like that was your choice. So you gave the keys of your will to another person in that, in that moment, or maybe they took it. And so some of us in here are struggling with our own choices and where we've located ourselves. Some of us in here have been deeply wounded and have been put into a location by somebody else's power and their abuse. I feel like something that the Lord is, is wanting to do for you tonight is to give you back the keys to make the choice of where you locate yourself. That you know that you actually have the authority by God to choose where you abide, where you dwell you're not a victim anymore. You're not. A few years ago, I was um, at a family house, at our family house in Michigan, and my dad's side of the family's got some roots up there, and so we were up there um, on the lake, and I was feeling really stirred up inside, and and I didn't know why, and so I went out for a, a walk just to pray and talk to the Lord, and and as I was walking, um, I'm like, Lord, why do I feel so worked up right now? Why do I feel so agitated? And the Lord just whispered, forgive. I'm like, really? Like, I feel like I'm pretty good at that, Lord. And sometimes the Lord just has a way of like speaking a word to us in our blindness to like point out that we've been dislocated. 
You know, and I'm like, Lord, I know all the theology of forgiveness. I've been a pastor for a little while. Let me tell you about that, Lord. And I'm like, forgive? What do you mean? And the beautiful thing about the Lord is, is his timing. Like, I had to be in that place. I had to be surrounded by this, this property. That we were staying in the house my grandparents built. Across the street was the old farmhouse that my great-grandfather built. It represented generations on, the da- on my dad's side of the family. And so being in that space and seeing all these houses, generational houses, it gave me a visual to see what, what I was blind to, that I had been blind to for so long. And the Lord showed me that, that I was really holding on to some bitterness, um, believing that my dad had blocked the blessing of my grandparents. My dad has had a lot of struggles in his life. And, and as a result of that, I felt like I didn't have access to my grandparents and that I missed out on my grandparents' blessing. And so all this like pain and anger started to, to kind of come to the surface. And I, and I started just to get angry and like it just all that stuff just started bubbling up. And so I started walking through that. Interestingly, I thought I had finished that work, but then last December I was sitting down for lunch with a guy that I had just met and this conversation turned awkward really fast. It was kind of like a conversation with Chad. Um, <laughs> man, when the, when the prophetic drops... It can get awkward real fast. Um, and he, I didn't know this guy very well. And so, he, and, I, and I can feel it in my spirit when the prophetic drops. I can just feel it. And so I felt it, and I'm like, uh-oh. Because I wasn't hearing anything, so I knew he was. I'm like, uh-oh. And he goes, he's, you could see he got real awkward because we don't, we don't know each other. And, and so he goes, um, we're... Where's your orphanhood coming from? And I'm like, shouldn't we like talk about something else first? Like get to know each other. And um, so I just, but I knew the Lord was on it. Like I felt it. So I just, I just smiled and I, and I, I said, what'd you hear? And I think it surprised him that, that I went right at that spot. And he said, I heard Jacob and Esau. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Because my dad's younger brother had stole my grandparents' blessing. I never knew what the origin of of that block was. And so my family grew up with this kind of Esau mindset that the blessing was stolen. And so totally under the surface, we were envious. We had this kind of sense of we missed out. That my uncle and his family got the blessing and got the favor. And then after he didn't, you know, this is all the stuff that I'm like spiraling in my mind as he's talking. And he just 
flipped and he said, the father just wants you to know that he's got an inheritance for you. You did not miss out. And it was an invitation for me to sever where I had located myself into the Esau mindset back into the vine of Jesus. And I could have walked throughout the rest of my life as a victim, bitter. Or I could sever it. And this is an important thing. There's a passage that confused me for the longest time until the Lord gave me revelation on this. But the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 says something really interesting. He says, if you're a slave, don't worry about it. If you can buy your freedom, do so, though. Unfortunately, people use that to justify some horrendous things. But what the Apostle Paul was saying is that you are not a victim of your circumstances. That if you can buy your freedom, do it. But if you can't, that's okay too, because there is a freedom that's found when we are rooted into the vine that no earthly natural thing can touch. That you are a freedman in Christ. So if you are in a job that is really frustrating and painful, if you can get out of that job, do so. But if you can't, don't worry about it. Because you can be free in that. If you are in some family dynamics that are incredibly painful, if the Lord releases you and you can get out of those, do so. Create some boundaries. But if you can't, don't worry about it. You don't have to be a victim in those spaces. You don't have to be a victim there. You have the choice given by God, the authority, the keys to locate yourself wherever you want. You have that authority. It's called free will. You have that authority. And you can exercise that will to locate into Jesus and be free regardless of what's going on. And in that, bear really good fruits. Really good fruits. As we close, I want to give you an opportunity just to kind of sit for a second and just ask the Holy Spirit where you've been locating yourself. And if there's an area that you need to say, I need, I need out of that. I need to cut that. Geography, people, tasks, stuff. Or if you've taken on the victim identity, the identity of a victim, I need to grab those keys back. Say, Jesus, help me. For many people who have been victimized, taking those keys back can be really scary. And so we need to support you and pray for you. You need the Holy Spirit's ministry to help you in that. So let's just take a moment and ask the band to come on up.
Holy Spirit, would you shine your light? We confess that we are so easily deceived. In the same way that I was totally unaware, totally unaware of that Esau thing. Some of us need revelation tonight. Father, I thank you for your mercy that your timing is so good in this revelation.